morning, Grace. Hi. <laughs> How you, are you, today? you you snuck that in on me. I was like, oh, oh morning. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no problem. And welcome to our listeners. And today's episode. Hi, everybody. Can you can you see what I see? It's Vicky Scott here, and today my co-host Grace Hart and I want to talk about control. Now, control is a very common word, and it can have both a positive and a negative energy around it. But first. I wonder how our listeners went with our last episode on boundaries and mm. checking in on their own boundaries to see if they were still serving them or whether, like me, um, I started recognising I still have a couple that were relevant ones, but they don't really work for me anymore. So I guess I'm learning it in my view it's just um, about making conscious choices every day and not staying on autopilot. How did you go, Grace, with checking on in on your boundaries? It, I was just, as you were talking, I was like, yep, that's pretty much what I went through. You know, it's it, life is a constant creation. And if you're not creating it, someone's or someone else or something else is creating it for you, right? Oh, oh I like that. Okay. And that's giving up control in, in not a good way. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. But that's it's not that, about controlling your creation. It's just about not being in control or being controllable. Yeah, yeah, okay. So that's talking about different energies around us. And, yeah. Um, oh. So anyway, we're already here. Today's <laughs> episode is uh, about control. So what can you see about our world in relation to control? Uh, I guess what's pinging when you say that is just the sadness um, in that moment when you said that, that we, we deny our very being. We... Um, we disconnect from what we know and what we'd like to create. And instead of controlling in a sense of what would I like to create, we stop ourselves, we negate our very being. And I'd like that to change. I see a world where we're not controlled by others and we actually create in, in, in a generative way. Oh, wouldn't that be lovely, given that we're all individuals and we've all come for our very own journeys, and if we don't live what we came here to do, then it's not going to get done, is it? So, you know, no. that, that, those words around creation, no, I like that. And also, you know, from trauma especially, when you're traumatised, you tend to want to control your reality. You know, I'm never going to let that happen to me again or I'm never going to let a person like that do that to me again. And and that's the kind of control that I, I would love to invite you to not choosing so you can be aware, you can acknowledge, oh, it doesn't work for me when someone yells at me or it doesn't work for me when this happens. That's fine. Acknowledge what, what you do not want and what you do want. However, don't create from that energy. Create from just that generativeness of who would I like to create with? What would I like to create? Who, who would I like to be? Mm, I like that. Uh, well, control the word is, both a noun and a verb and I like what you're saying about um, in the same sentence as creation uh, controlling because as a noun it does mean the power to influence um, or even direct people's behaviours or a course of events um, so you could say you're in creation mode uh, at that at that moment when you are in control which is a very positive thing about that's the purpose of us isn't it as an individual yeah maybe create your life don't control your life ah how much lighter does that feel yeah yeah 
Control your bladder, mm. always a good good thing to do. <laughs> but that's, there's only a few select areas where you really would appreciate control. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, that's that's also that's also part of living, isn't it? We mm-hmm. want we want to create and help our body serve us, uh, so that it it does. Look, you know, we can do what it needs to do to stay well enough for us to fulfil on what we want to achieve in this lifetime. Actually, you make a really good point because it's really not about controlling your bladder. (laughs) Um, It's actually loving your body and being present with your body. And, you know, when your body's happy and it's not holding on to trauma, it knows that it's probably not a good idea to have, you know, we running down your leg 24-7, right? It would know. Yeah. So it's it's more about really being in communion with – communion and creation with your body and in your life. Oh, that sounds so deep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, it does, but you know the purpose of can you see what I see and what we wanted to do is to have a different talk about um, well what does that mean and to actually uh, just at least have a look at it to see if there's something in our own lives that we could look at differently. You mean put a different lens you mean in. we're yeah. inviting a potential possibility versus trying to control someone to see what we see? Absolutely. <laughs> The old story, we're just putting it on the supermarket shelf. People can choose. Exactly, exactly. And we all know what it feels like when someone's trying to control the narrative or they've got an agenda. We know what that feels like and why why would you do that to yourself? But do you know, often when that happens, it's been my experience, maybe just, you know, from my late 60s and it's that thing about I tend to avoid those people or those situations and I switch off to it. And now I recognise that, you know, I matter too. And not that I have to say anything to the other person or persons, but it would be, and I would do it differently if I had it over again with the same experiences, I guess. But and it's okay to say I have a different view without being in competition or without trying to get into an argument. And that's where it would be lovely, wouldn't it, if we weren't trying to control a conversation or an outcome and we could actually have a discussion rather than an argument or uh, a debate, as some people call it, when I think, yeah, we do need to have some more frank conversations about things. You know, you, you say that so beautifully and that's a great example because, you know, if we were chatting and I wanted to control it, I want Vicky to see what, you know... Um, my rightness to the point of view, I, you know, I want Vicky to do this or do that or, and that's not, a, that's not communication. That's not, you know, creating with you, right? And how many times do we see when we're talking, people are not really listening. They're just wanting to get the, their point across next. They're already thinking about it and cultivating it in their head and they're not really present with you. Yeah. You know? So they're not really open to, to seeing what someone else can see, basically. <laughs> exactly. We're too scared. Oh. We don't want to change, you know, and ultimately when we come into a conversation, there's got to be that willingness to change. And I don't mean just necessarily changing your point of view. I mean change, you know, because you, if, you're, if you come into a conversation being willing to be changed, it's such a gift because then you can see different possibilities and you can choose for yourself. And that's not, being, that's not the same as being controlled or being gaslit. It's actually just mm. being willing to be changed. You have mm. the choice. 
you know. And, and of course, as you mm. just said so beautifully, it's not about, you know, let's get into a, a slinging match of let me prove to you how right I am, therefore how wrong you are, instead of like, mm-hmm. okay, Vic, what can we create? You know, you've got your point of view, I've got my point of view. What can we create together? I like that. And do you know, there's an expression I heard once that that really appealed to me about somebody saying, you know, if you keep looking in the rear vision mirror, you're going to run into something. <laughs> so rather than look out through the windscreen and see where you're going, we keep mm-hmm. looking at, and that can be about because we've believed something in the past or because we have had an experience that resulted in not a good outcome for us, we will tend to shrink our world and want to control it more. And I, I really get that, yes, you can have a glance in the rear vision mirror to see if there's something you're missing you want to take forward, but uh, it's not a good idea to, to just keep looking at this. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically in a nutshell how we control ourselves. We either run away from something or run towards something else, you know, and instead of what do I want to create? Let's not look at what we want to run away from <laughs> or avoid, you know, or run to that, that mystery, wonderful thing that will save us, you know, that, that um, we tend to, I mean, I know for me from the trauma spectrum, initially I see them like layers of, of uh, a building and, it, you know, you need to acknowledge the suffering of whatever's happened, the woundedness, and then you, then you can go to the next floor and the next floor and the next floor. So, yes, you have to acknowledge it. You know, some people call it validation, but for me it's more about acknowledgement that I'm feeling really scared right now or I'm terrified right now or I feel like it's never going to change or never going to end. Important for you to acknowledge. And then we can go into, okay, acknowledging that that's true for me, what what can I choose now? What else is possible here? And, you know, and then there's, there's numerous things out there like the flower we talk about, you know. <laughs> How do I yeah. get back to the centre of the flower? Yeah. Yes, yes, it's such a good. I I always visualise like a sunflower when I think of a flower. I do I too. A, That's exactly, yeah. and with a big smile in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, same. So there's the stem, which is sort of like how we're connected to Mother Earth, and then uh, the centre of the flower, which is still so strong, and then all the petals around it, and they're yellow, which I love, sunshine and bright. <laughs> Yeah, uh, actually, yeah. That, that just reminds me. I, I did have uh, a, quite a substantial trigger. It's it's probably been over eight years or so since I got triggered that badly. And mm-hmm. um, so one of the things I did was go for a walk. And right now we've got some uh, orange blossoms coming out, and and you know lemon trees. And there's, oh my gosh, the smell is amazing. And so I went down there and I went, okay, I'm going to put my face in a bunch of, you know, <laughs> orange blossoms. And um, so I put my nose down, and, and as I was just getting to the thing, I saw this queen bee, <laughs> all bees, <laughs> and just asleep in the middle. <laughs> Really? Yeah, and then I, I was looking around and there were lots of bees humming because they were they really just come out now, and as in the flowers and the bees, and there were a few little bees having a snooze and they always snooze in the centre of the flower. I didn't know. They sleep a long time. They don't just oh. sleep in their little um, hives. They sleep on flowers quite a, quite a few hours a day. Oh. Yeah, so it was really cute. There was this bee just on in the centre of the flower having some centre of the flower time. I like that. <laughs> Yeah, ready to pollinate something. <laughs> oh, actually, that's a, that's yeah. I'm liking that. That's Go to your creation. center of the flower, and, yeah, and from there <laughs> pollinate. <laughs> it's like, what do you want to create? 
sprinkle uh, that stuff. <laughs> I do, yeah. You know, I was having a look on um, YouTube about um, control and there are many, many videos out there. There's one about um, control, controlling and manipulative people and there was one there about how nice people control you. Oh, yeah, through, through you? their niceness. <laughs> yeah. Can, can you say oh, a little goodness. bit more? What do, what do you see when you see that? Well, there's just different kinds of perpetrators, aren't there? There's sadistic ones and violent ones and there's ones that are sweet as honey. And um, But all of them have similar tactics in that, you know, there's there's isolation there. There's some form of threats. You know, there's, there's criticism. You know, there's, it's, there's usually love bombing at the start. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's really just their strategy. And, um, you know, gaslighting, for example, is one of the – um, it can be incredibly harmful because what tends to happen is gaslighters choose truth with a fabricated thread through it, and um, and that's why it really messes with you because when you when you hear the sentence, you know it's true. You know there's an and so you don't have the cognition unless you're taught this to split the sentence. You know, like I, I give the example of. You know, gee, Vic, that dress looks really nice on you. If you lose a few more kilos, it'll look even better, right? So what's really true is that dress looks really nice on you. So you feel a lightness. You think, oh, yeah. And then Mm. the twisted lie comes in that's sewn so beautifully through it. Like the knife then comes in. And and that's where it hurts because it's connected to a truth. And that's what's so confusing. And, and, And unless you actually get... That's what gaslighting is. It makes you question your your reality because you know that dress. You know that dress looks good on you. You know you feel good in that dress. That's what's true. And then all of a sudden mm. they've sewn in. They've interweaved this. Well, you don't really look good in it. It's a great dress, but y- your body doesn't look good in it. That's what they're. Mm. That's actually what they're saying. You don't look yes. good. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the media is also picked up on that, and that's how they get you in, isn't it? With um, you know, well, this is, might be what you look like, but you could look even better if you do A, B, C or it's, whatever yeah, it is they and want to sell. Exactly. Yeah. And there's also spiritual gaslighting. You know, if you learn this mantra, you'll get even better at this. And so, but really what it's saying is you're not good enough at that. Mm. And so you've got to be really careful when, you know, when and who. <laughs> like, uh, Yes, absolutely. Media, um, certain religions can gaslight, you know, and, and your best friend. You might not even until... Until you know what it smells like, it can. Mm. But it, it, gaslighting always get, gives you this kind of wonk, this kind of twistedness. Like, I know it seems like they're helping me, or they've just paid me a compliment. But why am I feeling so weird with it? And usually, that's mm. gaslighting. Oh, wow! Yeah, well, see that this controlling thing too. It's um, that I'm gaslighting one way of doing it. You know, secret agendas. Think- Secret agendas yeah. is another one yeah. where, you know, it's like, I want this to happen. And so I'm going to say, for example, let's say, you know, that you're in a family and one person in the family wants to control an outcome. I want this to happen in this way. And so what, mm-hmm. I'll, what, what I could say to somebody is, oh, you know, you haven't made really good choices in the past and I really care about you. So I'm going to just take over and do this because it's in your best interest. But really what's happening Mm. is I have my agenda, I want Mm. to go this way, but I'm going to gaslight you, manipulate you in in a bastardised, caring way 
so I can get my agenda met. And you've just, you've, and mm-hmm. un- unfortunately, if you are traumatized in any way and you are spending more of your time on petals, your disassociative parts than the center of the flower, you're not going to know mm-hmm. it's happening. You're going to be bulldozed. And, you're actu- and you may even actually believe the narrative. Like, oh, yeah, she does care about me. You know, she doesn't yell at me, so therefore she cares about me. She doesn't, oh, therefore, yeah. you know, or he or whatever it is. And yeah. we need to look at what is, not what we hope or, um, or their agenda, you know, being bulldozed by their agenda. Mm. You know, that, that sort of sounded similar to what um, one of the YouTube videos was talking about and if they called it concern shaming because... You know, oh, it, wow, it, I have not heard that. That is a, that's an energy match. Tell me more. Yeah, well, it's just, it, you know, if people around you, say growing up, people around you have been so out of control, you, you could often end up being a controlling person just to feel like you are in control and different Correct. ways that you that can be expressed is that concern shaming. So it's where, you know, where people make subtle criticisms that you're expressing doubts about your capability and saying, I'm only raising this because I'm concerned about you. And it stinks, um, right? You you know it. Something feels well, off. Yeah. Well, it does. You know, and really it's that thing around boundaries we've talked about. You know, for teens it might be okay, but when it gets to you doing it to adults, um, and I have to confess, I think I've probably said this to my adult kids, so I take that on the nose. <laughs> so, well, um, I, but, I, yeah. you know, I just want to say, what if we changed that narrative instead of saying, you know, took it on the nose? What is like, wow, you know, I made a choice and, and now I've got more information and I'm so grateful I'm the person that can now take that on board and choose something different. I like that. Yeah. I couldn't see it back then, but I can see it now. Exactly. Yeah. And there's other ways people try and control us in a nice way too. Like um, they might just always be late for um, things or just, <laughs> yes. uh, you know, and it's another form of control, isn't it, really? But they don't see it that way. But, um, um, you know, and if someone doesn't want to be responsible for their own lives, then and instead of dealing with their own stuff, um, they're making someone else responsible. So, you know, it's your fault I got. If you hadn't said that, I wouldn't have been upset or, um, you know, anyway, start to control all that about how we live our life. Hey, not, it's nice actually, you know, I always think you can't see it in the moment when you're in it, but it's nice to have some awareness around, oh, yeah, hang on, that's what just happened to me. And yeah. it didn't feel good. You, you know you don't feel good about it, but you don't know why and you get in your head about it. And, oh, and we need to, sensitive. yeah, we need to be educated and we, we need to start naming this. And, you know, I mean, for example, with domestic violence and, and really any form of control, it, sorry, any form of abuse involves control and power. They're the two things. So whether mm. it's domestic violence or financial control or whatever, it's there's control and power. And mm. so if you recognise those energies, then you can start to go, okay, you know, um, when they said that, they, that was them trying to control me. Yeah. Um, you know, when they said that, I felt this power push, like they were, uh, you know, pushing themselves on me, mm. their agenda. Yeah. Since domestic violence has been at the forefront in our, in our community, sadly, you know, it's probably always happened, but because we now have more media that makes us more aware of the awful things that happen, they have not started to name coercive control. 
And yeah. yeah, I know it's been defined as an um, an act of assault or threat or humiliation and intimidation or other abuse that is used to harm, punish or frighten their victim. Mm-hmm. I was interested to read where it said their actual, it creates invisible change. Yeah. So it's that thing about you, you can't name it because you can't see it. It's invisible when, when you're in that place, that sense of fear that it pervades um, all elements of a victim's life. Can I know you and I have talked about this in relation to the experience you've had with domestic violence. Um, what does coercion look like in your experience? Well, it's interesting that you use the word invisible. And, you know, for me, it's, yes, it's invisible, but it's invisible from the perspective of taken on its own, it, can't, it doesn't have the smell of abuse. It's, and, and I always use the example of um, like a rock and this drop of water just goes drip, drip. And so if you just sort of pulled out one of those drips and went, is this abuse? You go, no, it's not. It's just, a, it's just a statement or it's just a comment or it's – but when you've been drip, abused, drip, 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 your fear of the next drop coming, let alone hitting you, is terrifying in itself – because you, you acknowledge your very nature is being recrafted to that of the abuser's wishes. You are losing, with every drip, you are losing who you are as a being, your connection to that being, and you are morphing yourself into that which the abuser desires. And so, it's, it, so that next drop is terrifying. And this is the thing about coercion because, you know, for example, if I said to you... Um, Oh, Vic, you know, you're so silly when you say things like that, right? If you just take just that one little statement, come on, that's nothing. Mm. But if you're getting continual acknowledgement of you being silly, stupid, worthless, useless, fat, mm. ugly, um, a waste of space, you're, you're the rock who you are starts to change. And then mm. you lose connection with your gut, connection with your very being and usually it's it's like the frog in water it's not an overnight like it's not like a sledgehammer has come and cut cut one of the bits of your rock off you know it's mm. been this gradual thing that you if you don't pay attention next thing you know you're a completely different shaped rock and it's like who am i mm. Mm. yeah i know the um that coercive control does cause trauma. You know, all the research yeah. and science around trauma and its impact on our bodies, it's obviously now becoming much more known from a medical perspective as well about how our body holds the impact of a trauma by it holds the energy of it. Yeah, um, I mean, every, yeah. every statement, every look is a punch to the body. Every mm-hmm. comment or judgment, it gets locked into the body. And when you get to the point where that person's connecting emotions like fear and terror and worry and anxiety with a statement, then you start to really not only believe the narrative, you take it on as true and then you start telling everybody else. And, you know, it's very common for domestic violence survivor victims to say, no, no, you don't understand. This is never going to change. And they believe it in all their heart. But it, part of that is that indoctrination of the drip, 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 drip. And, you know, mm. they need to get that coercion or, you know, whether it's PTSD is an injury. You haven't been broken 
it's mm. an injury and you, you can heal the brain. Mm. Well, you know, it, it's stored in our tissue, so yeah, it's a it's not an overnight job to heal it, is it? You know, no. I mean, but if we don't heal it, you know, I know that's where things, you know, it really does erode our our body's health, and um, and it, it, one thing that I was interested to read uh, about, you know, how you do heal from trauma. Is it is about um, through the emotions, um, and it's about then rebalancing that. Uh, and I think there's, you know, um, Dr. Stephen Porges uh, writes about brain has been dysregulated, and the way to regulate it again is through, well, it's, it's human touch, you know, person to person, but. Um, and and it's around the emotions. There's a, he's done a lot of work around this in the last 20 years or more, I think, and um, he's convinced that many of the diseases that we see in isolation and sometimes thinking, and they've been said they're generational, but they're actually as a result of unresolved trauma as well, and that can come down through generations as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know that I'm super passionate about um if you don't release the trauma in the body, your body will create events, situations, circumstances to release that trauma. And that can look like, you know, creating a conflict or creating jumping into another relationship that's abusive. And so for me, it's more about, hey, let's not wait till we're, you know, the body's choosing actual events and situations to release. Let's look at how we can release it without having the actual experience of more abuse. And you know, there's numerous ways, and yes, it, I, I do also agree that it's connected to our emotions, and and that's the thing you've got to choose. We're not experts, you know, and and definitely, you know, my advice would be to speak to someone who's trauma informed. Um, but there's also so many other modalities out there that if you find works, like for me, Peter Levine's work is gold, and um, yeah. I love I love the exercises that he has to release trauma out of the body. And that's not saying he's the only person. For me, I, there's other people as well that I work with. Um, mm. their modalities um, but it's really there's so much out there which is great um, yeah mm. I, I, I did um, look up trauma um, informed I guess um, psychologists or counsellors and I guess that's a fine line too isn't it you know there, there are many yeah. who say they, they <laughs> exactly. um, are experienced in trauma Healing or healing from trauma. You had some not very successful experiences, didn't you? Until you found the latest one you've you've had. Yeah, I mean, I I actually studied to be a counsellor, and um, and I did lots of great modalities. You know, I, I learned Santray and expressive therapy, for example, and all of them uh, helped me with my trauma to some extent. However, me even using the word trauma. Back then, I actually did not connect trauma to to me, even though it's ludicrous to think of it now. Of course, it's blatantly traumatic what I went through, um, but I didn't connect that word to it. And so it was more when I spoke to um, different people, it, it, it was making a change, but not having a remarkable change. And it wasn't until I connected with a domestic violence counsellor who not only is trauma-informed, she, she has such a great capacity to um, unpack that 
And, um, and so, uh, you know, for me, don't assume that every psychologist or every psychiatrist, even if they say they're, you know, on their website, they're trauma informed, check them out and mm-hmm. give, give them a trial run. You know, it's like a test yeah. drive. Um, and, you know, cause the gift of my particular counselor, there's no words. I mean, and the thing is, it's now affecting my clients and, you know, my products. Um, it's long, long reaching. And um, one of the things that she talked about is with domestic violence, you know, but really all trauma, it's, it can be a long rescue. It's not an overnight, um, mm. oh, now I've got the cognition, you know, I've got trauma or I've got this. It, it's, it's, it's a long rescue sometimes. And, um, and yeah. that's being patient. You know, a lot of people go, shouldn't I have dealt with that already? Or, you know, it's already been two years, you know, how come I'm still in grief or whatever? And it's like, no, trauma is trauma. It's complex. It'll take as long as it takes. You know, that brings me back to, hang on, what's our life about? Isn't it a journey about getting to know ourselves and to be the best that we can be? But often when something like this comes up, the first thing we want to do is um, just get over it and, quote, heal ourselves, unquote, um, so we can get on with life. But we forget that that is life. (laughs) And like in your case, um, I can see how, you know, everything you you said you weren't aware of it before, but you couldn't see what you couldn't see back then. (laughs) You see it when you're ready. But it's because of you, I know how many lives you've impacted and in fact have saved lives of individuals because you've been able to show them something they couldn't see um, before. So I really get that it's not a bad thing because until you've experienced something, I often think about this with Wendy, you know, I'm a white woman and, you know, we work, I work with Wendy on the, in the STARS Institute of Learning and Leadership and I can't understand what Aboriginal and Torres Strait people have gone through. I can say I can and I can do a lot of research and I can understand the history of whatever, but I don't know what it's like. You know, I used to think, um, you know, I've worked in Indigenous uh, affairs for many years, but I went home to my own family and closed my own front door. Mm. But they never, they never, they went home to the same thing, you know, and to everything. And there's so much richness in that. Um, but, but it's also a melting pot of life itself. And so, you know, what I guess what I'm trying to say is until you've experienced something yourself, I think it's from that place that we become better able to share. Um, and it's not about teaching others. It's just about sharing your own experience of what worked and what um, I guess didn't. That, that is yeah exactly I, I I so agree with you it's like you know you can read all the books on how to swim but unless you've actually jumped in the water and felt what it's like to float in the water against your skin and and feel like you're going to drown or whatever it is you know and and it's really interesting because as I said I you know I, I ran my own groups and um, sound therapy groups and all that sort of stuff way before I did this domestic violence counseling and when I um, did this particular counselling, one of the things they offered was an eight-week eight domestic violence program. And this wasn't a support group where you, you know, you tell your sad stories. It was it was a, gr- a group where it was structured and they just taught you different things like this is how you do a parrot phrase and this is, ha- this is the smart brain and, you know, it was that sort of stuff. And But what for me, 
blew me away and I had never experienced it before. They listened differently. And, you know, I've got a very close friend who is the kindest, sweetest person I know. And she totally is, she's sad with what I went through. She's incredibly empathetic. She has had trauma in her own life to to some extent. But she says, you know, I can do my best to be present with what you went through. However, even that level of kindness and caring was completely different to these strangers Mm. who just heard with different ears and you know and and for example I just ran a group this morning and I just told them about the the um the trigger thing that just happened and and they were the and the energy was very much um when I have shared shared it is you mean you still that still happens to you you know you're 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 Mm. not this perfect you know angel sounding and I thought, like, no, triggers are triggers and you work around the majority of them but this particular trigger mm. was directly related to, you know, I gave the example of, um, you know, being in a torture chamber in Afghanistan and say you were there for nine years and you finally freed yourself and, you know, you made a promise to yourself never, ever, ever to, you know, go back to Afghanistan again and no disrespect to Afghanistan. This is what came to my mind as an analogy and... And there was this moment where I was offered um, by circumstance to get on a plane back to Afghanistan (laughs) and I just lost it. And so you've got to realise that um, it's a bit like contractions. You know, when you get triggered, the pain is there, the contraction's there, but as soon as you deal with the trigger, you're back to no pain, the in-between of the contractions. (laughs) And so the job of trauma, a trauma therapist, is to, let's say initially your drip, drip, drip was every second. You know, you're abusing yourself or you're suffering every second. And then through mm-hmm. through working with the trauma therapist, they come every five minutes or maybe once a day and then it goes to, you know, once a week. Or And this and it's not as simple as that, but, you know, it, the, the time in between spreads out and, and then there comes a time, and I did not believe this was true <laughs> when it was told to me. <laughs> she said, one day you're going to wake up and you're just going to feel ha- this weird feeling and it's actually you being happy. <laughs> And I, 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 and I didn't I, – I actually forgot about it because uh, it was a good nearly two years for me. And, um, and I woke up and I just felt really weird. And uh, I called my best friend and I said, what is this? And she goes, you sound happy. And I went, this is happiness. And it was so, so different. You didn't recognise it. I didn't know what it was. I thought something was just really weird and that something was wrong. And I wo- I've woken up strange. I need to fix it. Yeah. And of course now it's like that's become my more normal and, you know, as I said, it was like good eight years since I've had that Afghanistan <laughs> trigger mm. happen. So, yeah. Gee, but yeah, you're quite right. Um, and, you know, that's where, as you said, it, it was invisible to you for, for some time, but mm. that's where we need our team around us that we trust, you know. That, you know, we trust that they'll shine the light on what may be in our blind spot. Um, but not from a place of judgment, just asking a better question, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, but to be in the place to even receive that, you've got to be in the centre of your flower because if you're if you're functioning from predominantly disassociation or a, dis- a disassociated part that you think is you and someone says, hey, I've just noticed you're not as happy as you were before in this relationship, that pa- that caretaker part or that manager part or, you know, that protector part will say, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. It might snap back or, mm. or separate from that person. 
And yeah. and this is the thing actually with people who are in a you know say say your sister or your brother or a friend of yours is is dating someone who's controlling and you're like how do I tell them um, mm. you know I always say to them it's so important for you to not be what the abuser is and so the abuser's controlling so if you start oh. to go controlling back like oh, you shouldn't yeah, be with that person that person's a bad person I don't like the way he's treating you then it and um, one of the things especially with coercion is that to go against that person because there's rules that then end up showing up it's actually a an abuse to that person that you love so you, it's a warped sense of thing that you can't go against who you love and so mm. if someone from the outside is saying something that makes for you to agree to that is going against your partner they're not going to agree to it they're going to actually fight for the rightness of their point of view mm. and go, and go even closer to that partner yeah. and separate from you and pushes the other away. Mm-hmm. And I guess what people say that marks what control is is not who decides, but who decides who decides. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is an interesting thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Vic, no, you can go out with your friends. You've got choice. You can go out. But mm. you, but Vic knows if I go mm. out and I come back, I'm going to get into so much trouble. So mm. I'm the one that's really choosing here, even though it looks yeah. like you have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gee. You know, there's so many – I think what we'll do, Grace, um, you've got so many resources and books and things, um, but I'll put a few of them on the on the website too so people can go and look up for themselves because yep. we're not about telling people what to do, but just to really um, increase our vocabulary around um, – is, is your life working for you? You'll know whether it is or whether it's... Uh, yeah, and, and what's also super important is that chances are if you are in, a, in an abusive relationship, you probably don't know it is abusive. Um, you know, statistics mm. say that you probably don't know. And so, you know, that walking on eggshells, that hypervigilance, the, you know, adapting to their behaviour, paying attention, are they, do they look angry, has she walked in in that mood or he or whatever, that's... Yeah. You might think that's normal. Oh, they're just tired or oh, it's just a stressful time. No, <laughs> There are people no. out there who have COVID stress, who have financial stress, who have all of that, and they do not treat their partners that way. Mm. Yeah, there's a big difference, isn't there? If there's power and control, that's abuse. Mm. Mm. You know, the, the more I um, read and research around trauma in the way we take control of our own life, um, or in fact, we fall into the trap of allowing another human being to control our life. Um, yeah. It, it all comes back to being an impact of having some unresolved trauma in our life. Do you, I mean, I know that's you've what nailed the it. And, no, you've, na- you've nailed it. Yeah, you mm. know, when I went to my counsellor, you know, I, I had, um, I said to her, "I'm an intelligent woman. How come? Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what was I thinking? <laughs> you know." Mm. And and it really is about the stacking. You know, it's generational trauma. You might have had lots of um, accidents as a kid, or um, you know. It, but it it for me, for you to be open to being controlled and abused, have a look at your childhood. And mm-hmm. it might not have been that you were sexually assaulted or, you know, physically assaulted. However, if you didn't feel safe and it was a daily didn't feel safe, you weren't acknowledged, you were ignored or whatever, that, that, that can be in itself a trauma-inducing uh, childhood where you, you just 
have this innate, I'm wrong, I'm not safe, um, someone, someone help me. Mm. Yeah. And that can come from, you know, like even in my case, um, you know, having a busy parent. You know, my mum, by the time I was born, she had, I think I was number four, but by the time the fifth one came along, the first one was only about five, um, five and a half or something. And you just don't have time because as a human being, we know that babies need touch and connection to thrive. We know that if they don't get that and they're left in a cot, then they can actually die. They have found that. So um, Exactly. You need touch. Um, mm. Even if they're being fed, but they're not being picked up and held. And, you know, so it's an interesting thing coming from big families or even a parent who's been struggling themselves and haven't been able to... Um, to provide that themselves, so it's it's good, and it's good just to have a look, see if there's something there for us. Hey, it doesn't mean we're saying, yeah, you know, just go looking. Um, it's only if you choose. We yeah, all have a choice. It's to just look. Igno- it's just being willing to acknowledge. And um, the beautiful thing is that if you do it from a place of no judgment, if you do it from a place of curiosity, and a mm. willingness to create something different. So, you know, it's not um, about um, – actually, I'll tell you a funny story in relation to one of my kids. Um, so I, we, we communicate via a, a platform, and um, an online platform, and uh, I had, I'm really very dyslexic and it's quite funny that, you know, even when I type in something, you know how normally if you're remotely close <laughs> – Google will say, do you mean this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I'm the sort of person that Google doesn't say that. It just goes, huh? (laughs) (laughs) It highlights it, but it's like, we've got no choices for you, but we're just just highlighting (laughs) this does not make sense. And um, and I had sent something to my son really quickly and um, and I was driving over to his place and I got there and we're both sitting on the couch and um, and he said, oh, mum, you were so funny what you wrote. And, and so we normally just laugh about things like that, not in a mean way. It's just sometimes funny, the, the stuff that I actually write. And um, so I pulled out my, my phone and he's, he's got his because I've literally just walked in. And, um, and there's a way you can edit. So mm-hmm. I picked up the phone and I changed the word. And so it's changed in real time. And, um, and so I thought it was funny, right? So I go, what word? And he looks and he goes, huh? right and then I said to him straight away like literally straight away I just went honey I I just changed it it was you know and he turned to me and he goes mum that's gaslighting and and I just went oh my gosh it is it is because I made him question his reality yeah yeah now this is one thing I do want to say when you've been brought up with whether it's histrionics or you know an unstable personality or whatever you will have echoes and yeah. if you know how they say if you've got an alcoholic in the family, you can either be really against it or end up being an alcoholic. So, uh, you know, I'm very open with my kids, as you can tell. <laughs> mm. and, um, and, and so I looked at him and I just went, honey, I'm really sorry. You're correct. That is gaslighting. I'll never do that again. And I won't. Mm. And so that's the thing where it's not about I don't, I don't feel bad about that. Mm. I, don't, I don't feel wrong about that. And he's been brought up to not make people wrong. He acknowledged what it was. Yeah. 
And he was willing for me to say, no, it's not because of this, this and this. And if it was true, what I came back with, he would accept that if it was energetically true. Yeah. Right. But he was correct. (laughs) It was gaslighting. I didn't know it at the time, but it is. So this is where we need to. Sorry, go. Yeah, just be present and listen Ex- to what exactly. somebody else's point of view was, which you did beautifully. And also well, they can oh, – sorry, okay. I was just saying, also they could have a point of view and it's not true, could, right? Yeah. You need to be okay with that as well. You need mm. to be okay with that it wasn't gaslighting and I'm okay with it not being gaslighting even though he thinks it is. But in this yeah. regard, he was correct. Yeah. Yeah, and well done to both of you for being open to, oh, yeah, you're right. Well, um, that, that's creation. Mm. That is creation because no one's ah, right or wrong. That's a, yeah. 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 It's just that he acknowledged. So it created a better relationship between you and hey, your son. You know what? Yeah. We're having a full circle moment because remember at the start of the podcast, I said you've got to come into any form of communication with a willingness to change. Yes. And if I yes. did not come in with that willingness to change, a typical response would have been because I didn't mean it that way. If you had asked mm. me in my heart, did I mean that as a mm. gaslighting? No way. It was just a funny thing mm. in my head, right? Mm. So yeah. if I wasn't willing to change, if I wasn't willing to see a different point of view, I would have done the normal thing of like, I didn't mean, that's that's ridiculous. I'm not, you know, I that was just a joke. Relax, Jay. You know, like, come on. Yeah. And yeah. that's what we do. And then, of course, then he's invalidated. He knows what's true for him. Then that's what yeah. creates more separation. Whereas actually yeah. being willing to change what that does for him is it shows him he's he's safe, secure and supported to speak up and name something yeah. and also yeah. it's, he's greater for it and our relationship's greater for it and then I'm greater for it because I've now got a different way where that echo of gaslighting that I um, was married into um, yeah. and also, you know, had exposure to, um, I can recognise, oh, that's another echo. I won't ever do that again to anybody in that way because mm. I've learnt. Yeah. Yeah. What were you yeah, going to say, I like honey? <laughs> no, I, felt, I was just thinking that, um, you know, in wrapping up, um, to talk about, you know, some home play, but just mm-hmm. before that, um, I did a little highlight about controlling the controllable. And it brought home to me about how many of us around the world really have been living in a fear, um, but most of it's outside our control. And we know, all know that, the effects of that when you feel like you're out of control is it does lead to more cortisol and drip feeding into our body. So, you know, trying to keep ourselves well and our immune system strong, we have to actually look closely at what is within our control and what isn't. Hey, so what do you think um, um, we could do for some home play this week? Oh man, I got so much to say from what you just said, but we're running out of time. So, what is home play? Um, Oh, what do you think? <laughs> I'm going to throw oh. it back at you. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, well, what about just um, educating ourselves on, you know, what control and coercion actually is? What it smells and, like. Um, yeah, what it smells like and mm. uh, acknowledging it, you know, and if you have had some experience of it, um, you know, this is what you'd said and um everyone that I've researched and read books about, they all say to speak it out because it's only when 
it's in the darkness that you know, relies Abs- on that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, when you're willing to call out the shame or call out the, you know, be vulnerable. Um, I like mm. that. Yeah, educate yourself and maybe just this week look at look at yourself and, you know, if you're, you're chatting with your kids or your, or your lover, you know, are you bringing an agenda in? And you don't necessarily, you know, depending on your level of vulnerability and safety – um, you just acknowledge it to yourself. Wow, actually, I'm going into this business meeting because I want this to happen. So what if mm. I actually just acknowledge that and, and be open to change, be open because there might be something even greater yes. that's yes. possible, that's beyond oh, I your... I like that. Yeah. Yeah. But there are, and there are two things. You know, perhaps you haven't been impacted by trauma, but you just know you could feel better than you currently feel. Well, perhaps make a point of just looking for the joy in every day, yeah, and if yeah. you have been impacted, um, look for somebody who specialises in trauma-informed healing. I love so, that. That is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Thank you for being with us, and we look forward to hearing what our listeners think about all this and what they can see that we can't see. Absolutely. Have a beautiful week and take care. Bye. Bye now.